Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the Sooners Extra Postgame Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Aber, here as always with fellow beat writer Justin Martinez, joined today by columnist Barry Trammell. And uh, guys, I don't think any of us really knew what to expect uh, out of this game based on what OU has done the last few weeks and, and really all season. Uh, this, the situation uh, down at uh, Lubbock this week with Matt Wells being fired, Sonny Cumbie taken over, but went about as well as you could have hoped for for the Sooners, a 52-21 to 21 victory. And, uh, it, Justin, it seemed like this was the perfect send-off uh, to a, a nine-week stretch that had been grueling uh, for OU uh, to, to finally get to the bye week with a, a complete game that is something the Sooners have been missing. Yeah, I mean, without a doubt, it just looked like they were clicking on all cylinders today. You know, you were talking about the team was struggling to get off to hot starts. Well, they put up 28 in the first half of this one. They were struggling to get takeaways. They had three of those today. Um, it just seemed like in every single aspect, they were kind of checking off this this list of things that we had been talking about that they needed to improve on. So credit definitely has to go to them. They definitely uh, put together a big performance. And like you said, they need it right now to send them into this break with some momentum. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, Barry, to you, what was the biggest thing that you took away from today that gives you hope for the Sooners during this three-game stretch that awaits after uh, the bye week? I think it is um, Key Lawrence looked like he was a legitimate cornerback, and he's able. You know, he's been playing safety, played for. Turner Yell, Turner Yell's back. They moved Lawrence to corner. He holds up very well, played very well, I thought. He was the best cornerback on the field for the Sooners. So that for, if he can do that, and Texas, solid offense. I mean, Texas not a real good football team, but offense really has not been the problem. So um, if he can hold up against Tech, he can hold up against most teams. And that uh, Alex Grinch said it best. He said, you know, gives us a chance to get our 11 best players on the field. So I think that's what OU needs to do. And I thought the pass coverage was much better. So. Jalen Redmond's back. Uh, that helped the pass rush some. Uh, didn't have a huge impact, but that allows Isaiah Thomas to move outside. He was able to tip some balls, but move outside some. He still played majority inside, but he tipped two balls. Uh, had another sack for a fumble. Uh, one of his tips was an interception. So all the new guys coming back sort of fortifies it. Nobody wants to listen to excuses. Nobody wants to hear about injuries. But in this case, it actually seems like it might have been a pretty good excuse. Yeah, it certainly did. I mean, uh, Key Lawrence was a bit of a revelation there. Like you said, moving over uh, to cornerback. You know, I, I thought all along that one losing Turner Yell for this stretch really uh, played a, a, a big role in the way that the secondary had performed to this point. 
Uh, and, and then, uh, you know, we sort of forget about the fact that Woody Washington has been out for so long and how good he was last year during that stretch where the Sooners were really good. Yes, Trey Brown and Trey Norwood were two of the biggest uh, drivers of that on the back end. But Woody Washington was fantastic the end of last year as well. And not having him has made a big uh, left a big gap. And for Key Lawrence to be able to step in and, and fill that. Uh, was was a really encouraging sign. Uh, Jalen Redmond being back, like you said, Barry, he didn't do a lot individually himself. I think he's going to have some chances to do those things. You know, we've seen what kind of playmaker he can be when he's healthy, but he frees up so many other players to do what they're best at. And uh, I thought that that played at least some role and Isaiah Thomas having a monster day, like you said, got his hands on a couple balls, uh, a, a strip sack and a recovery uh, for him there. Um, even though I don't believe uh, they credit it as a sack in the uh, the stat books, but um, not the only issue that I have with OU's uh, stat keepers uh, this season. Uh, just, just being honest there, but um, it clearly made a big difference uh, for them. And all of a sudden this defense that had been so maligned over the last uh, month, month and a half finally started looking like the defense that we saw early in the season when the offense wasn't clicking and Alex Grinch's group was carrying them along, Justin. Yeah. I mean, that's supposed to be the group that they were going to lean on this season. We definitely saw it at the start of the year, like you said. Um, And when both of them, when both sides are clicking, like we saw tonight, I mean, you got to think this team is as dangerous as it gets in the country. Um, 52 points on offense, three takeaways on defense. Um, it just seems like like they're really starting to hit their stride as they're hitting November, which, as we've all seen, is is championship month for them. You hear the talks about it. So it seems like they're really starting to click at the right time. Yeah, I believe uh, I figured this out uh, the other day. I think it's 23 consecutive wins in November for them. Uh, they've gone, uh, you know, 2014 was the last time they lost a game in November, but, uh, th- this stretch, uh, is, is certainly really tough with, uh, the, the game at Baylor, uh, home against Iowa state and then closing with Bedlam before a potential big 12 title game. Uh, so they needed something like this going into the bye week to give them some momentum and, and feeling good about themselves. Uh, heading into that. Uh, Barry, let's flip around, though, uh, and, and talk about the offensive side of things. Uh, got off to a bit of a slow start in the very first drive, and you sort of wondered, you know, is this, uh, you know, here we go again uh, type of thing. But they get uh, Robert Conjol out. Andrew Rehm comes in for that second uh, series there at center. Conjol had a low snap uh, there early after the game. Lincoln Riley said, uh, that Andrew Rame had a, a bit of a Kyler Murray situation, which meant he overslept and, and missed, uh, missed the start of a meeting or, or missed a report time and uh, cost him a series. But once Andrew Rame came in there, all was right with this OU offense. They score uh, touchdowns. I think it was, uh, what was it, very seven of the next eight drives. The other one, um, uh, a Into field goal. Yeah. Right. Uh, the the they had uh, nine they had nine full possessions and they had they had seven touchdowns and one field goal and the only miss was the the only empty possession was that first one so it was phenomenal offense it was it was one of yeah. the best 
is one of the best offensive games in OU football history. I mean, not very often have they gone, you know, they, they were working at, you know, 86, 88% efficiency in this game. Yeah, it'll be uh, interesting, Barry, to see your uh, efficiency rankings for the Big 12 this week for sure and see uh, where OU uh, stacks up there. They were number two offensively coming in. Was that right? Uh, no, they they passed. They went or, back to the top. Yeah, uh, last week they passed Iowa State, um, so they'll be way in the top. The question is, is this is this offense going to finish above Kyler Murray's offense? Because it's got a chance to, <laughs> which is crazy. Now, they're going to get that was a for whatever reason the games have been condensed. Like today, oh, you'd played at 52-21 games of Tech three, four, five years ago, and they did actually. But it wasn't a game where each team had nine possessions or 10 possessions. In those days, it was 14 possessions or 13 possessions. So the the game's different. It's become more of an NFL game. And this was a perfect example. You don't get that many possessions, but you're not seeing hardly any stops. Um, the offenses are still dominating, but they're dominating in different ways. More methodical, longer drives, even tech today had two drives over five minutes. Um, so, but this Caleb Williams offense, no doubt about it, is high performance, high efficiency. Zero doubt about that. Yeah, and uh, Barry, sticking with you for a moment, uh, Caleb Williams, I, I thought, t- took a step forward today. As good as he'd been uh, in, in his first uh, couple starts, that uh, performance against Texas coming on in relief of Spencer Rattler. It, it seemed like he was even more crisp uh, today, 23 of 30, 402, uh, six touchdowns, no interceptions, was making the right decisions. Um, consistently, there weren't even really any balls that were put into dangerous spots that I remember. And uh, wasn't didn't make plays with his feet. It was all... Uh, with his arm today, just uh, five carries, uh, three yards for him. Uh, so he, it wasn't like he broke off a long touchdown run. This is the first time this season that he hadn't, a game that he'd performed in that he hadn't. Uh, but uh, spread the ball around, uh, got Mario Williams involved. Marvin Mims uh, once again showed why he's OU's best uh, receiver consistently. It got Austin Stogner a touchdown, Drake Stoops. Those are the things that OU needs to do offensively to be able to be successful at uh, in this November stretch. Beyond that, um, you know, this this isn't just Caleb Williams taking over the game. It's the ability to do things some different ways. And uh, it, I thought that was encouraging for when you look at the future for this uh, this offense and Caleb Williams. Yeah, you know, Tech Tech didn't let them run much. Didn't want they stacked the box, put a lot of pressure on Williams. Um, so you know, the Sooners didn't run it the way you'd want them to. But you know, when, when teams dare you to pass, you have to. And Caleb showed his value and really showed the difference between him and Rattler is that he can evade the rush. He, uh, I think, I figured it out, put it in my report card. I think he scrambled eleven times. Twice he threw incomplete. Once he ran the ball, and he completed eight. So he's eight and nine throwing off the scramble, out of the scramble for whatever it was, 107, 117 yards, three touchdowns, 
So he's a, he's a tonic for whatever a defense does. You want to stack the box, put a lot of pressure. He can extend plays, make plays, or he can throw the deep ball, you know, and get a guy one-on-one. He hit, what, a couple of those today. So he's a total package. You know, he's, he's still not Lincoln Riley's right. There are things he can do a lot better, and, and, but he's going to be. Just a phenomenal thing that, that's, that's going on here with, with the quarterback change. It's transformed this OU offense, and the OU offense was pretty good to start with. We saw Rattler today, those five passes. Rattler's the second-best quarterback in the Big 12. He just got beat out by the first best. <laughs> and so, you know, that's just the way it goes, and it, it, it's going to be a fun ride for the Sooners in um, this offense down the stretch. Yeah, no doubt about it. Like you said, this this showed the difficulty that you have trying to find ways to defend Caleb Williams in this uh, Sooners offense. Yes, they didn't run the ball much. Um, it, you know, it's been a long time since they've had fewer than the 20 rushing attempts uh, that they did today. But uh, Justin, the the depth that this receiving group showed, and we thought that they would be a deep group before and they've still got Theo Weiss who uh, looks to be close to returning. Uh, He could (laughs) return in time for that Baylor game, but uh, certainly could be back for Iowa state and Bedlam to close the season. Um, uh, Just how, how big of a step do you feel like this was for that receiving group with Mario Williams having a big day uh, Marvin Mims doing what, you know, we all know from him, but then, uh, Stoops and Hazelwood being the, the guys who could come in and, and make those yeah. big big catches, uh, you know, over the middle, things like that, and then uh, getting uh, those H-backs and fullbacks involved right. as well. Yeah, I mean, Marvin Mims and Mario Williams really kind of headlined that. Uh, Mims with 135 receiving yards, Williams with 100. First time the two OU players have recorded at least 100 receiving yards in the same game. Since Texas Tech back in 2019, and that's CeeDee Lamb and Charleston Rambo. So good company there. But like you said, it wasn't just them. You look across the board here. Drake Stoops had a really solid outing. Like I said, we also got to see Austin Stoggin to get more involved. Um, and I think that really just speaks to to Caleb Williams and the way that he's able to just kind of spread that ball around. It doesn't look like he plays favorites. Really, it's anybody that's open is going to get the football. And I think that's another way that he's really kind of um, changed this offense for the better. You know, it just seems like, Guys are feeling like, you know, it could be anyone's night, any single night. And tonight it was a lot of guys' night um, just across the board. Just a really strong performance by a receiving group that had had some performances where it was just the leader has 40 receiving yards. The leader has 50 receiving yards. This time it was a big day for a lot of people. So credit has to go to them. Yeah, that that's certainly something uh, that they needed. Uh, Barry, I found it. Um, it, I'm not sure if you know this. When do you think the last time OU had uh, 20 or fewer uh, rushing attempts in a game? Ooh. Might it have been uh, two games come to mind, Alabama. And the other one would be perhaps Texas Tech 2007. <laughs> Uh, neither one of those is correct, although uh, I haven't got back to Texas Tech 7, so I'll check that here in just a second. Okay. But uh, Kansas in uh, 2012, Barry, oh, really? they, had, they had 18 carries for 93 yards that day, threw for 313 yards and a, 
uh, a 52 to seven win there. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't follow the Kansas games much. That's what's made last week so much fun. I, that was a Kansas game that actually was a milestone. You could sort of remember it. I'll remember that Kansas game for a long time, but typically no. <laughs> yeah, uh, no doubt about that. But uh, sticking with that, uh, Barry, um, the way that this team bounced back from the Kansas game, we talked about, you know, we heard Jeremiah Hall and, and Nick Benito uh, talk about the need to bounce back and their roles as leaders to make that happen. Um, it, it, it seemed like that those guys on both sides of the ball really um, took some ownership in this and it wasn't just brushed off as hey, you know, at least uh, they secured the victory um, and, and they're undefeated that, you know, sometimes uh, Lincoln Riley uh, puts off that vibe. Certainly, it looks like those guys took it to heart uh, to, to make a change in this group. Yeah, I think it's it really wasn't expressed by Lincoln Riley. It was some by Alex Grinch. But I think they were pretty peeved at this team for the performance last Saturday. That was it's absurd. I mean, I'm sitting here watching OSU right now. It's 38 nothing at halftime. OSU beating Kansas. Kansas is who we thought they were. It's just that OU sat there and just didn't play for two, two and a half quarters. So I think it's. It looks like the Sooners got the message that hey, we got a chance to do something special. But and, and Alex Grinch can prattle on and just lose everybody. But some of his some of his messaging actually makes a lot of sense. Talking about intentional uh, practices, competitive practices, not just checking the boxes, but really honing in and saying, here's what I need to do this week to get better. and We improve as a football team. So um, I, I, Kansas could end up being a very good thing for the Sooners. That very well could happen. Yeah, absolutely. And, and Justin, one of those things that Alex Grinch talked about that we've asked him about seemingly every week since he got this job is turnovers. And it was such a big point for them last year. Uh, to, to, to start getting those turnovers in bunches. We saw it the first couple of games this year where they had three against Tulane, three against Western Carolina, and really those that slowed to a trickle with one in every game since then hadn't had a, an interception since, uh, since the game against West Virginia in late September, but able to get three takeaways today, uh, two interceptions, one by Pat Fields, one by Justin Broyles, the uh, fumble recovery and forced fumble by Isaiah Thomas. There's, uh, you know, they, they forced uh, another fumble on a uh, kickoff return that they weren't able to quite get, but uh, put them in a really good position. So if they're able to do that moving forward, uh, that certainly bodes well for, you know, what this defense can be over this last month of the season, especially against some offenses that have a chance to be successful. Yeah, I mean, this this sort of performance is kind of what everyone was expecting for this entire season. You know, when you look at this defense, you were expecting them to perform like this week in and week out. And although we haven't seen that, at least it is encouraging that we're starting to see it down the stretch here when they're starting to to face some of these tougher teams. Like you said, they're going to have some tough competition here. But if, if these guys continue to step up and get these takeaways, that's going to go a long way. 
Um, and Isaiah Thomas also credit to him because not only was it that fumble, but also he got that tip that led to that Pat Fields interception. So he was just all over the place. He's obviously one of those leaders of the team and, you know, they're going to be as good as he is whenever, you know, if he's playing well, then the defense is normally going to play well too. So yeah, I just thought that it was a really strong performance from them and they're definitely going to need it against some tough competition moving down there. Yeah. Um, let's, let's take a minute here and evaluate things as we go into this, uh, this bye week not only, uh, for, for OU, but, uh, big picture wise, uh, Barry to you, what is the biggest step the Sooners need to take, uh, in addition to what we saw today moving forward to, uh, you know, continue that run of big 12 championship, uh, victories, and, uh, you know, who's a guy that you feel like really needs to uh, make a big leap uh, during that time? Oh, let's see. You know, in terms of the individual, it didn't look to me like DJ Graham played very well. It looked like maybe the slants were getting him all day. He didn't make a lot of plays in the secondary. Turner Yale back there was. Patrick Fields was, Justin Broyles was, Key Lawrence was, but they picked on DJ Graham pretty good. So he's probably the one that needs to, to shore up um, the defense. Uh, uh, was good today, but it's going to face stiffer. It's going to face stiffer uh, tests and needs to continue to improve, continue to play like this. Um, Offensively, I don't know if the offensive line played poorly or if just Tech sold out so much to rush Williams and stop the run that it was just clearly he was going to be he's in scramble mode the whole day. Um, so I don't, I don't know, but it's, it's potential the offensive line needs to shore up. It's also possible that you know, just – Tech played unsound football. That's that's quite possible. Yeah, I I got the sense. That, yeah, the offensive line does need to play a little bit better. But I got the sense that Tech was sort of selling out and forcing Caleb Williams to beat him through the air, and they weren't going to let Caleb Williams beat him with his feet. They weren't going to let Kennedy Brooks beat him with their, his feet, and that led uh, to that really low number of rushing attempts, and, and Caleb Williams was able to do it. Um, you know, I, I get what you're saying, certainly about DJ Graham. Um, I, I would probably say as far as a guy who really needs to, uh, shine here, we finally saw him get a touchdown tonight. Austin Stogner. I, I think we saw what he could contribute to this offense last year. He was such a security blanket for Spencer Rattler early in the season, especially, right up until the time that Stogner got hurt against Kansas. I think if they're able to get that back, and I, I know that Jeremiah Hall and Braden Willis are certainly capable of doing those things, uh, but uh, if they can get Austin Stogner going, he's a different kind of guy in that role uh, than those other guys for sure. Yeah, I agree with you, Ron. And also another person, Perrion Winfrey to me. Um, you look at the way he started off the season, three and a half sacks in OU's first four games. Since then, the last five contests, no sacks for him. I'm sorry, one sack for him. Um, he's someone that they normally would rely on. 
um, to really provide some pressure inside. And he just hasn't been able to do that lately. So I think if he can actually be able to step up his game, that would also go a really long way for this defensive line. Yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you uh, on that one as well. They need Perry on Winfrey uh, to uh, come up big. Um, Barry, what about uh, the Big 12 race as it relates to what happened today and uh, how you feel like that's shaping up? As we finally get a team outside of the top four, knock off one of those top four teams with uh, West Virginia uh, beating Iowa State. Uh, the Big 12 race, Iowa State's loss makes it much more likely that OSU will be the team in Arlington. Um, OSU can beat TCU Tech and West Virginia, which won't be easy. They're better than those three teams, but they could lose to any of them. But if they win those three games, the only thing that keeps OSU out of Arlington is Baylor beating OU. Um, or, or Iowa State beating OU. So um, the, the odds for OSU went up dramatically today, and the odds for Baylor went up as well, but went up more for OSU. So um, uh, Iowa State, it looks like, is a little more vulnerable on defense than maybe we thought. OSU does not have a good offense. Iowa State survived OSU 24-21 last week. West Virginia hooked them up for 38 today. Makes you think Caleb Williams can really score on the Cyclones. So, you know, that, to me, that's what happened today with, with those two games. Or the two games we saw, Texas, Baylor, Iowa State, West Virginia. Yeah, that that certainly was my biggest takeaway uh, from things, a little bit surprised that West Virginia uh, was able to beat uh, the Cyclones uh, there in Morgantown. But a uh, big game from Jarrett Daigie, 370 yards, uh, three touchdowns for him. Uh, you know, not a, a great day for Brock Purdy, 16 and 27, 185, a touchdown, no interceptions. But, uh, um, you know, the Cyclones did show some vulnerability and and open the door to what would be a, a really fun Big 12 championship game, or open the door wider, I guess I should say, on what would be a really fun Big 12 championship game, uh, potential Bedlam rematch uh, one week after we see the first one uh, up in Stillwater in late November. Uh, Justin, what about you? Anything uh, stand out to you today, whether it's uh, Big 12-wise or uh, around the country? Well, other than the fact that Texas blew its third straight double-digit <laughs> lead, um, which I'm just not going to talk too much about that. Um, other than that standing out to me, you know, I, I do think credit has to go to Baylor. They're still in a really good spot, um, especially when you look at what they've got coming up next. TCU, Kansas State, Texas Tech, these are winnable games. And in Oklahoma, which is a tough one, they at least have the Sooners at home for that. So, you know, they're still looking good right now. Um, obviously, OSU is still looking good, but... Yeah, it's still an open race here to see who's going to be the, the biggest threat for, for OU for this title. Yeah, and uh, one more thing about open races is as much as we've talked about Caleb Williams and how great he was today, uh, that, that Heisman race continues to be wide open. It's, it's still going to take a lot for Caleb Williams to certainly win it. Uh, I think he certainly got a chance to wind up in New York as one of the finalists. But, uh, you know, it, it seems like Kenneth Walker, the third for Michigan State, 
took a big step forward today with 197 yards, uh, five touchdowns as the Spartans stay undefeated, knock off the Wolverines. Uh, Barry, real quick, how do you uh, handicap the Heisman race right now? Oh, I think I think Bryce Young and and Walker up at Michigan State, probably the two front runners. Um, it, it's going to take quite a rally for for Caleb Williams to get in the conversation. But here's the good thing: in November, he's going to have the stage. OU is going to play three straight marquee games. Baylor and OSU, in particular, have the chance to be like ABC Saturday Night games or the Fox Big Noon Kickoff games. So he's going to get a lot of hype. He's going to get the chance to to show what he can do. And if he performs, then all of a sudden he could go into Arlington with a lot of with a lot of momentum and a lot of people keeping an eye on him. Yeah, uh, just for him to get to New York would be a big accomplishment after uh, not playing to start the season. But it'll certainly be interesting to see uh, how that shapes up how the uh, college football playoff rankings come out. Um, sorry to keep it with you, Barry, but, or actually, uh, Justin, I'll let you weigh in on this real quick. Who do you think the top four are going to be? Uh, and we still got some action to go tonight, so you've got to assume some things. But uh, who do you think the top four are going to be uh, this week when the CFP rankings come out for the first time? Oh, I thought you were going to say Heisman stuff. Um <laughs> With the CFP, I would probably say yeah. Georgia, um, Cincy, OU, and Bama would probably be my four. Uh, what about you, Barry? What do you what do you think it should be, and what do you think the committee will be? Well, I think the committee will have. I think it'll go Georgia, Michigan State, Alabama. Cincinnati probably or maybe OU the top five uh what should it be um I mean I, I'm pretty close on that one um Michigan State is a good win today now they still they're gonna have to play Penn State they're gonna have to play Ohio State they got a they got a tough road but um I think Michigan State put itself in position to to move into that top three or four uh Cincinnati We'll see, but um, I think I think the Sooners did help themselves in the committee's room tonight or today because that Kansas game was fresh in their minds, and all of a sudden people think, well, that's a fluke, and frankly, it is a fluke. I mean, they're getting drilled by OSU. People just sort of realize it's a fluke. So I think I think OU will be in pretty good shape with the committee, but um, I think Michigan State will probably be ahead of the Sooners along. Along with Alabama. Yeah, I would anticipate that. I think uh, certainly uh, George is going to be number one. I don't think there's much doubt about that. Um, I think there's a good chance that Michigan State is number two after what we saw today. Uh, and, and then uh, probably, in my mind, probably Cincinnati, uh, then Alabama, then OU. I think it's going to be really interesting to see where Ohio State falls. Uh, in all of that now we'll see uh, you know how their game uh, finishes up uh, tonight when you're listening to this you'll already know the answer to that but uh, right now they're in a bit of a dogfight they're in the fourth quarter up seven on Penn State Um, in my mind it's hard to get past the fact that Ohio State uh, lost to Oregon 
early. Oregon didn't have its best defensive player, perhaps the best defensive player in the country uh, in that game. And the fact that until tonight, Ohio State hadn't really played much of anybody else. Um, I've had Ohio State lower than I think most everybody uh, nationally as far as rankings. But it'll be interesting to see where they fall. I think the Sooners, even if they're not in that top four position, are going to be able to move up uh, when you talk about the way that the resumes are looked at week to week. So even if the Sooners come in at number five this week, Sooners fans don't freak out too much, even if Alabama's ahead of them, even if some of these other things, they're going to have a chance to move up. But uh, certainly going to be fascinating to see how the committee looks at things. But uh, anyway, we're going to wrap it up there on the Sooners Extra Postgame Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. As always, thanks to Barry Trammell and Justin Martinez. Uh, We'll be back uh, in two weeks. Uh, Maybe we'll try to to squeeze in a midweek podcast in there uh, in the bye week, but certainly be back in two weeks down in Waco for that game. Still don't know a start time uh, for that game as OU plays in Baylor. Always interesting when the Sooners uh, head down to McLean Stadium, as Barry Trammell would say, uh, hard on the shores of the Brazos River. Uh, but anyway, you can check out our work every day at Oklahoman.com and every morning in the Oklahoman for the best OU coverage anywhere.